working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everyone, Zach Albetta here with another episode of Working Drummer Podcast. This week's interview is with Ryan Lee, who is a born and bred Kansas City drummer. Uh, the amount of work he does on the local scene in many different musical circles would keep anybody busy. But Ryan has also managed to tour and record with national and international artists without having to relocate to New York or Nashville or L.A. Uh, he has a cool perspective on how musicians in a second or third tier city like KC can be active and invested in a local scene, but also look outward and find ways to have a truly global career. Ryan has seen a lot of the world in the last few years, uh, both with other KC-based artists and with artists who bring him to where they are, whether it's New York or Paris or China. Before we get to that, just want to remind you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, share pics and videos of your gigs using the hashtag WorkingDrummer, and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. The podcast is really moving onward and upward these days, and that's in large part because of you participating in that way. So thank you for that. So now let's get to it with Ryan Lee. Things have been good. Now I'm back in KC, kind of just like doing my church gig thing. And um, What church and gig is that? I play at Lenexa Christian Center, LCC. Um, so whenever, whenever I'm not doing anything out of town, I'm definitely here doing that gig. Yeah. It's, been, it's been good. It's been a learning experience. And then um, uh, just some, some stuff with Herman Mahari. Mm-hmm. Been, you know, yeah, we're gonna I, we're gonna talk about him. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> cool. But you, like you you said, the church has been a, a learning experience. <clears throat> like what what expand on that? Um, well, they probably didn't know that they were teaching me this, but like they do a lot of things with uh, like the inner inner uh, monitoring systems and yeah, like yeah. having having click tracks and cues mm-hmm. uh, using Ableton. So like, you know, we use it. I mean, sorry to give it away, but like, you know, sometimes they say verse two, three, four, <laughs> <laughs> and we know when the verse comes in. And a lot of people in the pop world are actually doing that. A lot of hip hop groups and stuff. I, you know, so I used that concept and I started implementing that into a group that I, I'm kind of starting is it's brand new. It's called strings and things. And I mm-hmm. might change the name, but, um, I use that same click track thing and the cues to improvise. So, you know, maybe in my in my click track it'll say E major seven sharp eleven one two three four. Wow! And then the musicians will improvise off of it. But what we're doing is like maybe I'll have like a a chopped up speech of you know somebody talking about music and yeah. whatever he's saying, uh, the chord is supposed to support that. You know, like the tone of the chord is supposed to support that thing. Yeah. So I'm trying to I'm trying to use it as a, like uh, I'm trying to like put a little more art into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. See, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because when you like when you acquire a skill, you don't just you know kind of bring it into your repertoire and let it sit there. You, you <laughs> as soon as you get hold of something, you take it all the way. Oh, do I? <laughs> and, and parlay it into you know a a bunch of different things. Um, and it's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is. Just the like, I you know, I watched you come into college, and we'll get into your <laughs> college experience too. But like, you were you were just a drummer when you got yeah, to college, yeah. yeah. And and over the years, I've seen you pick up keyboards and bass 
and uh, singing and, you know, doing all this electronic <laughs> stuff. Um, what, what, uh, what drove you to, to acquire, you know, all these different skills? Well, um, let's see. Let's start with the keyboard. I, um, when I was really young, I mean, I had like a couple of piano lessons, but I wasn't really good. And when I was in high school, I think my junior or senior year, I just took a piano class and mm-hmm. it showed me how to play my scales up and down two octaves. And like, I mean, that just kind of like turned the light bulb on for me. I was like, wow, you can, you can play scales more than one octave. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I just, I, that right there just told me you can really figure out so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I just kept on searching on the instrument and it took a while. Like, you know, it took way after high school to, kind of get good at it but um that was like the start and then that was the same way with bass my senior year in high school uh my parents just for some reason i didn't ask for anything for christmas and they bought me like you know cheap bass <laughs> i was like uh cool i learned i learned one scale the major scale and i was like man that's all i need for now <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know after uh, i moved to new mexico after um uh after after graduating from UMKC to, <laughs> to attempt a master's. <laughs> right. But, um, and, uh, but there I ha- had a lot of time to explore the base. And I, I remember just writing down different, um, just different shapes and all that kind of stuff to use, to memorize different sounds. Like I, I was kind of, kind of self-taught. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I just spent a lot of time learning it my, my own way. And it, it, it it's like the bug hits at one point and i'm i'm fascinated and i try to really explore my own way of uh you know conquering the instrument i'm still terrible at all of them but you know <laughs> no, i no that's not true man you play I, some you play some good bass oh thank you um thank you. And, and that's the other thing about you you learning all these different things is that you know it it doesn't it doesn't look to me like you're doing it so that you can do more gigs on different things like you, you get a, you get a hold of something, and and creative energy sort of takes over, and you have to get it out. Um, right. <clears throat> so, it, like, is is uh, is is learning these different things sort of is is that creativity channeled back into drums, or are, have you been gigging oh, yeah. on bass? Like, do you, you know, what's what's the what's the ultimate um, goal for all of these? There, um, well, I I I did I did gig on bass. Um, I I. Played in a hip hop group. It's called. It was called Duncan Burnett in the Ministry. That group like no longer exists. But mm-hmm. um, it was a great experience. It was my only bass gig, and I I don't think I'll ever gig on bass again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just because like <laughs> I mean it, it it was a good experience, and I think that was the only thing I could really handle with, with time and prepping music and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, I I really use it. I really use um like learning all these tools for writing and uh, actually understanding how a lot of different instruments work. So I, whenever I write, I can push the boundaries for each instrument, mm-hmm. but I know where I, uh, I know where it caps off. Like I know a lot of times when I'm in a musical situation uh, where we're reading charts for the first time, uh, sometimes the music is not challenging, but they'll write something in the music that an, in a particular instrument can't even do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, wow, the music sometimes is not even that great, but we still can't play the music. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wanted to learn these instruments, and uh, 
be able to write like super involved music and that's coming like I'm, I've been doing it like over the course of this year but super involved music that pushes the boundaries that like makes each musician uh, really really have to challenge their uh, you know where they've uh, as far as they've grown uh, sorry really have to challenge their skill and evaluate their skill at the level that they're at mm-hmm. and um, I, I'm writing it to 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 push them to new heights and then the sound of music to, to new heights and then making sure that it all fits comfortably on their instrument. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's, it's almost like you can do cool stuff and be comfortable with it. And you can do challenging stuff and be comfortable with it. And, um, that sound, I think, I think that sound is, it will in the future be pretty accessible. And, uh, that's kind of like the, the, the goal I, yeah, I, like you, okay. you want to write, you want to write, you know, challenging and and artistically creative music. But the more the more it fits on a given instrument idiomatically, the better chance it's going to have to to go over, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I feel like I feel like it takes this. Um, I feel like I really have to make people who uh, agree to play a gig with me, or you know, agree to do some kind of rehearsal or jam session or project. Mm-hmm. I really feel like I need to make them feel like it's something they will want to do. Right. So like <clears throat> every time I'm in a situation where, you know, stuff is thrown at me and, and it just, it doesn't make sense. Uh, it's, it's kind of a drag and it, and you, you feel like, man, do I want to do this a second or third time? I don't know. Right. And uh, I but- feel like if, if I can bring, people on board and make them feel at least like super comfortable and then challenged that they, they would continue to help me make uh, music that will in the future would be accessible, but that just brings the whole level, right? you know, right. higher, it takes, takes the level higher. You know what I mean? And you, you talking about this reminds me that so often drummers find themselves on the opposite end of that deal where like a writer, a composer, a ranger, just hung them out to dry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, either, it's either fun. because of you know, like a lot of, a lot of composers or arrangers, you know, they don't play drums and they don't know what we're capable of, what we're not capable of and what we need to see on a chart. Um, yeah. So have, was it some experiences like that, that kind of oh, inspired yeah. you to, <laughs> Oh yeah. 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 And I'm still learning. I'm still, still learning, but I, I try to keep that in mind instead of saying like, well, you, you went to school for music, right? You should be able to do this. You know, yeah. I try to eliminate any like thoughts like that. I, I just don't think those really help to elevate, you know, the, the, the grand scheme of things. Right. right. Um, so yeah, <laughs> many of the times I've been like left out, <laughs> hung out, just like, wow, what do I do? <laughs> right. Right. You know, you just play time and get through the gig. <laughs> yeah. You're the third uh, Kansas City drummer that I've uh, talked to for for this podcast. Uh, the other two were Giuliano Mingucci and uh, John Kazillermoot. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and so that makes you the first one uh, who went through the program at UMKC, the music program, because Giuliano went there, but he was in the recording program. Right. Um, right. And and you went about as as deep and wide in the uh, the UMKC jazz department as as anybody. Um, so talk about your experience there. Talk about Bobby Watson uh, and and what you took from yeah. your time there. Wow, it it's funny how um, the stuff that you learn kind of hits you years later. I'm mm-hmm. 
I'm just now understanding some of the things that Bobby told me. And uh, it's like, wow, okay, I get it now. You know, yeah. and just, you know, experiences out there. Like I've been doing a little bit of touring and I get what he's saying. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get what this all means. Um, Bobby Watson, uh, amazing. What I think what he was trying to instill in this is like uh, another side, um, another side of music. Like I think that uh, when we learn in school, it's really, it's really academic. It's really like, you know, uh, like you, you we're learning fundamentals. We're learning uh, repertoire. We're learning the history. We're learning all these things. But um, what we don't really get is, is maybe how, how to play a gig, mm-hmm. how, uh, how to speak to an audience, mm-hmm. how, to, um, um, how to network, yeah. how, how this thing is all about who you know. You know, and which is probably the reason why I'm even doing this podcast. <laughs> you know me. I don't think that you would just call me because you're yeah. like, oh, this guy lives in Kansas City. Well, it's, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the reason I have a podcast. It's, you know. <laughs> so it's, uh, I appreciate that um, about Bobby and what he's done for me is like, I mean, I'm just now understanding it, but he's given me so many playing opportunities. Um, and that sparked. That, that sparked my career. Mm-hmm. Like it literally took it off. And yeah. um, I, I, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I know I didn't, you know, I didn't pay that much attention in theory class. You know, sometimes <laughs> I wasn't there for the, some of the drum lessons and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right, right. And uh, I, you know, those things are all, all, all great. But Bobby, Bobby showed me the other side and he, uh, he, he just, I guess I guess he just made it made it clear that it's all about the relationships that you mm-hmm. build with other musicians, other people, and uh, and like he, he definitely he definitely showed me how much I need to respect the music. Mm. You know, I uh, definitely. I mean, just had at, at when I was younger, I didn't understand that so much, mm-hmm. and I'm still learning, yeah. of course, but. Uh, what were, when when you were younger, like, can you give an example of of a way that you feel you disrespected the music? Yeah, just um, you know, like music. I, I guess if a composer composes a song and uh, records it, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds a certain way, and uh, I think maybe trying to put too much of your own thing on it before you even know how to play the composer's music yeah. the way the way he heard it and the way mm-hmm. the way it sounds uh is like a form of dif- disrespect to me you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying yeah yeah and uh i just i just had to take a step back and be like oh, what am i doing right. <laughs> you know i have to i have to really respect the way this sounds first and then you know i have to actually learn it then mm-hmm. I, I then maybe if if it sounds right, I can start adding my own style and flavor, which is going to happen automatically because I, you know, I am, I am who I am. You know right. what I mean? Like I, I'm going to sound the way I sound. Yeah. So that was a thing that was maybe forced in mm-hmm. the past, thinking that I had to force that sound or force my character upon uh, on music. Yeah. Or on the piece that I'm playing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just I I figured out that you don't have to do that at all. You mm-hmm. can uh, you can actually try to play the song as authentically as possible and it won't sound like the original yeah <laughs> that shows you right there you're gonna sound like you that person's gonna sound like them mm-hmm. so just do the music justice you know yeah and uh and this is a great uh uh 
opportunity to talk about the the recording project you did with Bobby, um, which was uh, the Gates Barbecue Suite. Oh man, <laughs> um, and we'll 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 get into what that is in a second. But but this uh, for those listening, this is a big band record that Bobby Watson recorded with the UMKC big band with Ryan on drums and the the sounds that you used and how you played on that record to my ear are are not typical big band sounds um the drums sound different your playing sounds different but it's still like i'm i'm always wrestling with this concept of uh content versus context mm-hmm. in in playing and and that record to me is a great example of how you you were able to put your content and your sound into someone else's context and into a big band context right. and just kind of meld those two and, and make it work. Right. Um, so was, was that, was that a discussion that you had with, with Bobby or with the engineer or was that just decisions um, you made? That right there. Okay. I'm, I'm starting to remember like some of the prep before the, the recording. Mm-hmm. I think we had been playing that music for a while actually. Um, I know that Bobby, Bobby used to tell me, uh, he 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 didn't give me too much direction when it came to that music, mm-hmm. but what he would tell me is that I think I think that was when I was kind of discovering that I was like not really doing music justice, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and I was kind of getting down, you know, just getting in my head. And he was he was saying that I need you to always give me more so I can tell you to cut back than me having to tell you to give me more, you know? Mm, yeah. It's like so, give me more. And I'll tell you if it's too much. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, don't don't worry about you know all that stuff. I get that you're growing. Just right. give it more, and I'll tell you to cut back. Right. Uh, and I was, since since I know Bobby, I like I kind of assumed that what he meant was give me more of you, like mm-hmm. give me more of what you want to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, that just that gave me a little bit of freedom. And of course, at the age of I, I don't I, maybe I was 19 when I recorded that. Was it yeah. you were that young? Yeah. I think 19 or 19, maybe going on 20. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I, 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 of course, I just, I'm just going to sound the way I sound, right? You mm, know? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that was just like um, Bobby just gave me the okay to, to be me. And mm-hmm. whatever that is, it's going to be what it is. I don't think he wanted me to try to fake it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and be something that I'm not, I haven't even developed yet. Right, right. And, um, so that that I remember that being the case, and uh, Michael Carvin was also in the studio. Yeah, the whole time <laughs> he was there the whole time. Yeah, man, <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty intense. So I mean, wow. I was you know I was I was just trying to man. I remember that session. I was just trying to like <laughs> trying to get through it. I was right. like, I hope I hope I hope we can get through this, man. Just, like praying, you know. Yeah. But what it, did, it, what did Carvin have to say, man? Carvin, um, uh, he really told me uh, that I have to drive the band, which I I, I actually hate one track <laughs> because <laughs> I drove the band a little too much. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was like he was like, dude, you have to drive the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I I because I, I guess I was just being I was just being in my head. That was the time where I was like kind of getting in my head, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he he was like, dude, just just lay down the groove, lay down the beat, do what yeah. you do make like fill in set up the hits you got it and mm-hmm. if you if you can't set up the hits play great time you know right. if the, those aren't learned if it's not like in you mm-hmm. play great time and groove and he's just like 
he was actually really like like super encouraging and nice and i thought that it was going to be the opposite i thought i was going to get chewed out right but uh my experiences with carbon are a lot different than um a lot of people's because like, like when he comes to umkc like he uh he really gets on the drummers. <laughs> he, oh yes. I mean, he. Everybody's scared of scared yeah. when Carvin comes, but it's great. It's it's great information. Yeah, it's it's, me. it's an ass kicking for sure. Yeah. And I've I've had the same experience as you, where like my my experiences with Carvin have been great and and you know mind blowing and whatever. And I know some other drummers who were really turned off by him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, and may, like maybe he was different with them than he was with me but i could definitely there were definitely some some points in our lessons where i could have been turned off and i could have been like man fuck this guy <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, but it it what am i like i heard like all of those stories and i was like really come on carvin yeah but with with me i remember he was so nice to me mm-hmm. my first lesson and i already heard stories from the past years and blah 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 and i was just like okay i'm gonna get ready for this he was so nice to me. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Like just, I mean, the the opposite of, from what I've heard. There was one time where he got on me in, in a combo lesson. Uh, he felt that I didn't pay attention enough, and it's, it, he said it was because the way I was sitting. It, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay. It, it, he's like, dude, the way you're sitting, I can tell you didn't respect me in that moment. And I was just like, oh, my. you know. So I, was, <laughs> I, I mean, I know some deep stuff. It was just trying trying to make me think about like. Um, like the vibes that I'm sending somebody else. If, am I am I, am I giving people my undivided attention? Because that's important when it comes to like the business. And yeah. so I can tell what he was doing. Like mm-hmm. now, I can definitely tell what he was doing. Mm-hmm. It's not at the time that I was actually, you know, being disrespectful. But he probably saw like a, a character flaw that could that he just wanted to cut off. You know, right? He, he to nip it in the right. bud. So uh, I really appreciate that. And Bobby has done a lot of that stuff to me too. Mm-hmm. You're just like, man, I, I didn't know I was doing anything wrong in that moment. But then you later on, you see, OK, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a character thing. And people people pick up on little things. If And if they want to work with you, those are things that maybe, uh, you know, <laughs> knock your points down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And even, you know, it's something that I've had to work on over the years. And like my you know, my wife points out a lot like you you have a shitty poker face, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's like, it's, it's something I've had to learn that like, even, even if I'm in a situation that I'm not a hundred percent digging, you mm-hmm. know, it, 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 I, I shouldn't let it, uh, show, or like you said, translate into some perceived disrespect, right, you know? Right, um, right. so that's, yeah, that's, that's an, <laughs> that's an important skill. And, and some people might think of it as dishonest or, or blowing smoke or, or whatever. But if you're in a professional situation or a learning situation from a master like Carvin, you know, like even, even if your, your brain is saying like this, this is a little bit of bullshit. I don't know if I'm digging this, like you should definitely be outwardly respectful. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, One of my impressions of, of uh, Bobby is that there, there are kind of three levels of, of studying under Bobby. And the first one is you just show up and and Bobby pours stuff into you, right? The second level is you go to Bobby and you say, what do I need? What should I be working on? What do you suggest? That's the second level. The highest level is cats who go to Bobby and say, I've got this idea. I got this concept. I want to work it out. Like, what do you think? 
that's like that to me is when you get the best of Bobby. Mm-hmm. Um, what was did did you experience that sort I, of progression? Uh, yes. Like, um, and my like it's it's funny. I'm I'm glad I'm still in Kansas City. I'm gonna go visit Bobby because I think right now is the time for me to be asking the the top tier question. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because yeah, yeah. uh, I'm I'm finally like I'm I'm now just just now discovering what it is that I kind of want to do and and the work is in progress right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, Oh wow. Now I can, it's really clear. I can ask these questions, but are I was you at pretty, liberty to say what that is or is it super um, top secret? It's, it's going to involve some of the stuff that I was talking about at the beginning yeah. uh, with, and, and a lot, some of the music would be a little more organic too, off mm-hmm. of the click track, off of the cues, but it's going to involve like a lot of that stuff to mm-hmm. like, uh, and is I'm, I'm going to try to incorporate like, um, well, I'll just give you a little bit. I'll incorporate synchronized lighting into the mix, oh, cool. like it's synchronized with whatever cues. So it mm-hmm. sets the tone for what's being said or, you know, just yep. kind of stuff like that. Yep. It's, it's super, super worked out. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, but there's also parts of this, the show that's not, you know, mm-hmm. and it's super, free and organic and then i want to leave spots in the in the show that uh that's even like sometimes i play i'll play a gig and we'll leave a space open for two songs that that are just what do you want to play you know what i mean that's that's like the typical uh jazz gig maybe Mm -hmm. and i i like that vibe a little bit like i want that incorporated in something that's super worked out i like that yeah yeah just just to throw somebody for a loop you know i'm kind of feeling this today yeah because it all changes if you do the same thing every from night to night then it's like uh this is getting old but if Mm -hmm. you throw something in the mix then you can you can still keep great energy with the band and Mm -hmm. that's that's what i'm all about just trying to keep it keep it uh keep it going you know so you got to run it by me yeah i got to run a lot of stuff by bobby (laughs) you know and i'm sure he's gonna you know I just I just want to just see what different people think, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, I experienced like this second level where where it's like, um, okay, you just go in and Bob, the first one is you go in and Bobby pours a lot of stuff into you. The right. second one is like, what what do I do? Yeah. Um. Yeah, Bobby Bobby really poured a lot of stuff into me, like you know, telling me what what I do on a gig situation. Um, he's like telling me what song to listen to to do the businessman's bounce. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard that from him, but yeah, yeah. You know, and and I I, I know it was like Witten Kelly on piano with I forgot the the album. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, he was just like telling me what to listen to to get like a certain feel down so I can play, you know, gigs that Cocktail were gigs. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, at a lower volume cuz right. I mean, I came from like playing at church and Right. <laughs> I came from playing uh, rock music, mm-hmm. you know, and just just everything else but right. that stuff, you right. know. So I was just like, I don't know what to do, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I I was I was pretty much there in college. I mean, I felt a little underdeveloped, even though um, I could I can get around the kit, yeah. you know. It, yeah. It, it, I mean, that's I can just get around the kit. That doesn't mean anything. Uh, my development, as far as like knowledge of music and mm-hmm. you know the grand scheme of things, is pretty low. So I was really trying to, you know, absorb as much as I could there right? so I could uh, get to the next level. Still doing that right now. Yeah. <laughs> it never stops. I'm just like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every day. I'm like, yeah. And I'm glad I feel like that. 
I, I see uh, a lot of younger musicians now, and uh, and it, they even might be like a little more developed than I was at their age. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of see how like they're like, oh yeah, I've heard music. <laughs> like, nah, man. <laughs> right. Believe me, you haven't. Bro. Right. <laughs> you know, just, and I had to had to send them something they haven't heard before, and like, no, this is actually what what was going on when they when they were creating this stuff, you know. Yeah. I'm trying to, I I try to like uh, reach out to the people who I see that were like me, Mm -hmm. who just didn't really get it, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, I I try to just like shine a little little light because they're they're very uh, they're very misunderstood people, you know. Yeah, I I think I think just people. I remember like going to school and 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 playing a certain thing and people just, I was kind I was okay at drums. Like it's good, but like maybe I did some annoying things and mm-hmm. like people just didn't know that I didn't know. They probably thought I was just being a dick. You know, right, that you were, you were making, like you were making that choice from, from the place of, of all the perspective that they had. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's like, no, where, like where I'm from, like, um, where are you from? <laughs> I mean, I'm from Kansas city. Okay. Like, yeah. That's what I thought. It's like, like the the background of music, like you yeah. know, church music and yeah, what, yeah. you know, like uh, you have to play. Yeah, kind of kind of sucks that you have to, but it's like it's a thing, it's a sound. You have mm-hmm. to play a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. not a lot of stuff. You have to you have to drive it. You have to be loud. You have to be heard. You have to be aggressive. It'd be aggressive, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It was like, I mean, this music needs all this energy, you right, know. Right. It's, it's great. It's great. A lot of music needs it, um, but. We we just never understood the other side. Like we've never experienced a playing situation or even heard the music that requires something totally different that we don't we don't have developed. Mm-hmm. We've never developed, yeah. and um, that right. I mean, it's just like if you don't know and don't have any any reference of that, then you're not going to be able to express it. You're not going to be able to perform that style. Yeah, and and so like the. You know, if you play aggressively over something or, you know, maybe people are like, yeah, he's a dick. He's, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah he, and they, they just, you know, then you're just like kind of slowly being aware of some of these things. Like, okay, what am I doing wrong? Oh, man. You know, yeah. it just it takes a second. It's good, that, it's good that you said that um, how, you know, some some more experienced players uh, are, are really harsh and judgmental on on younger players if they if they see them playing that way. They assume, and I've been guilty of this too. Like, if I see a young cat who's just playing everything and being a dick, like <laughs> so, sometimes, sometimes I assume that that he is either incapable or or not interested in developing something else. Mm-hmm. You know, but but you're saying when you when you reach out to these younger cats, like they they're totally capable, they're totally yeah. interested. You were one of those guys who was yeah, totally yeah. capable and totally interested. They just haven't done it yet. You know. Yeah. It, take, it takes a second. Everybody develops like differently. And yeah. They, you know, and it's, it's, you know, I happen to just not be in church music school or right. <laughs> pop music school. I happen <laughs> to be in jazz school. So like I was totally not there. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, so, I mean, if there was a school that was like, you know, contemporary church music school or pop music school or R&B music school and like a guy has only experienced you know, jazz. Right. 
he's going to be thrown. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be thrown off in school too. People are going to be like, man, this dude can't play. This dude doesn't, but really he can. Right. He's an amazing player. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they can learn something from each other, yeah. but, uh, yeah, he just misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I actually got that in church a lot. And when I, when I started like kind of getting a hold of this finessing and, um, just kind of seeing how music can be different. Music can be like the attention can be on the whole thing. The attention can be like, you don't even have to be there. You're just felt, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you're not even heard. You're felt. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, I started peeping that out and then I, I would just, I would put that sensibility into some stuff we were playing at church. Cause I was like, man, this doesn't need me that much. Right. And people were like, people were like, you know, this dude can't play, you know, he's, <laughs> he, he's like, come on, man, give me more, you know, right, right. but they're also guys who, haven't really heard the other side Mm -hmm. so it's like i was like dude i can really introduce them (laughs) to some stuff yeah that would that would get their ears on another just another sound so they can they can produce music that enhances the singer or enhances whatever is being um whatever's supposed to be expressed at that moment in church Mm -hmm. uh because a lot of times what i see there is like the attention is taken away from what's going on uh, maybe uh, in, in on the front line, yeah, with the singer or the pastor, right? A lot of times, and I and I didn't really understand it. I thought it was super cool before because I didn't care about the singer or the pastor at all. I just <laughs> to see what the drummer and the keyboard and the bassist were doing, and right. it was like magic. I was like, oh my goodness, if I could be just like them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, just when you when you think. Oh man, I'm almost like them. Everything switches. Oh, I learned something new. Dang, that's not what I want to be. <laughs> I actually want to help them out too. You know? So yeah, it's that I, I've experienced a lot of that. <laughs> that was it's pretty pretty funny. Like realizations there. Kansas City is a place uh, where there's a lot of musical overlap, and. Um, I think I think you're you're one of the musicians in town who who best exemplifies that. Um, so talk about kind of the various musical circles <clears throat> in Kansas City and and how they kind of collaborate and crossbreed on yeah. different projects. Cool. Like you know, I um, I think you're right. I think that <laughs> out of and and, and I, I like I never do this, but out of everybody, I think that I have the most interesting platform when it comes to being tied into all of these different um, worlds of music. All mm-hmm. these and all you know, um, um, it's interesting. I, okay, I'll let you ask that again, but I want to touch on something. What I've found out is this: when I hang around, maybe like the jazz guys or whatever. I hear a lot of things. I hear a lot of ways to think about music and how they, that they think about uh, other music and, you know, some good, some bad, you mm-hmm. know, I get it. And then I hang around the rock guys and I hear the same thing. Mm-hmm. Then I hang around the jazz guys and I hear the same. Oh, sorry. And then I hang around the hip hop guys and R&B guys. And I hear all of these things like um, just kind of what they say about the other group's uh, style of music mm-hmm. and like, man, Nobody understands each other, hmm. and that's I, I really I really started peeping that out. And I, but here's the thing: I understand them. Mm-hmm. And I understand why they say what they say, and I understand the jazz guy, and I understand the rock guy, and I, and I, I, I feel like 
I feel like that's what makes me um, versatile and adaptable to different situations. Um, like being versed and being able to play, play like hard hitting rock music and then going right after and playing at the American right, <laughs> where right. you can only bring a snare and a cymbal and yep. brushes. And, you know, uh, it's like, I see the difference in worlds and I, and I, and like, like, you know, some, maybe some rock guys are like, man, the, the jazz guys are cool and stuff, but you know, they don't hit hard enough. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I heard the jazz guys say that the rock guys hit way too hard. They're way too loud. You know, <laughs> like they, yeah. like I heard all these, but, but I was like, man, that's, that's just because of your perception of music. Yeah. Uh, like if you're in an, like an 80,000 seat arena, I don't know if, the, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you're playing drums kind of like this, you know, unless those microphones are stellar. Right. I don't know if you're going to be heard that well. Right. And, and you know, and beyond volume, it's just a, a presence thing. Like yeah. You yeah. got you to gotta fill up the room. Yeah. Whatever room you're in. Um, so, so like you, I mean, you, you talk about these various circles talking about each other. Mm-hmm. Is, is what they say uh, fair? Is it, is it accurate? It's, what they it's, say about each it's, other? It's it's so accurate, but <laughs> it here's the thing. It's it's accurate to their own world. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um it's true. It it's all true. It's you know, it's just it, it is what it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I just think it's because it's lack of understanding. All they're doing is observing and saying what they observed. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all they're doing. Yeah. And uh so it's true. It is. But what they don't, they just don't have an understanding of the different styles and 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 what's going on, um, what what it takes to develop that certain style, uh, that those certain those certain skills to play that music, mm-hmm. whether it being jazz, rock, pop, church, they just don't understand what that is. Yeah. And I and and once they get in a situation where they have to do the other thing, then that's when I start seeing them sweat. You know. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm like, they're like, oh man. You know. And there have been so many of those <laughs> projects. Like just when 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 I was in town, I did the the Mark Lowry versus hip hop thing, where like oh, yeah, Mark yeah. Lowry put a jazz piano trio behind different MCs, and they would freestyle. And there was the Radiohead thing, where like you know, cats from the the salsa world and the jazz world and the rock world collaborated on on recreating Radiohead tunes. And I mean, since I've left Kansas City, you've been involved in. Yeah, yeah, dozens yeah. of those kind of projects. So, yeah, like, what what are your great. observations? Sorry, what? I said they're all great. Keep yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, what like you were about to get to? What what are your observations when you see all of these people get in a room together? That is like the I that I that for me is like the greatest thing. <laughs> I I love it because there there are going to be some people that do understand and then some people that don't. But mm-hmm. all it is is just like um, uh, people being introduced mm-hmm. to what it takes to do what it is that they're trying to do. Like if they're a part of the project, they, they start to understand something by the end of that rehearsal session or the end of that gig. And they can finally share with other people in their circle that, Oh, you know what it actually is, is this, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, I know I, it's it's hard to explain like exactly what it is without like dropping a true story. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, (laughs) Um, that is, it's, 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 it's amazing. Now here's a lesson I learned because, because I was a part of, uh, 
because I understand so many, so many of these different worlds and, and like the way they think, you know, I was a little skeptical about like bringing all of those dudes together. Mm-hmm. Um, one person who has done an amazing job at that. And I think, I mean, it's partially out of ignorance, but not really. It's kind of like, Oh, that person's good. That person's great. Cool. We should do this together. Mm-hmm. Herman Mahari. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he does not, he doesn't, he doesn't look at, at, uh, like he doesn't even see it the way I see it. I don't think that he's as versed as I am as far as working with different, all these different musicians and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think he sees it like differently. Right. Like I, just, I just don't think that he, that registers to him so much. Right. And it's beautiful because the, some of the greatest collaborations that I've been a part of are ones that he's, he's put together. Right. And, um, man, so I, I learned a lesson. I learned that I've been, I, I know, I know a lot about a lot of different things. I know that there are a lot of people who are just have their own niche and they're great at that. And then there's a person who, who doesn't see music as niche by niche by niche by niche. Right. It's all good or bad energy for this guy. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's yeah. Like, oh, that's good. That's killing or that's not, you know? Right. Right. And that, that really taught me a lesson. And actually doing projects with Mark Lowry and Herman and, um, you know, different artists like that taught me that lesson. Cause I think Mark is the same way. Yeah. You know, he's just like good energy or bad energy, right? good music or bad music. And they don't, they don't overthink it. It's not, it's not like they're like this, this guy has this certain skill set and this other person has this certain skill set and I'm going to put them together and, and this is what's going to happen. They, exactly. they just see like awesome on this side and awesome on that side. And they're like, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that right there, I'm still learning that lesson. I'm like, man, I, I kind of sometimes just for what I know, doubt a lot of situations, mm-hmm. even though like those situations are like opportunities for somebody to learn something new. I'm just like, man, I don't know if that'll work. I don't know if I can pull that together. Right. And uh, they just don't think about, they just don't doubt. They just, mm-hmm. they don't think about what can go wrong. Yeah. You know? So I'm learning that lesson because like being on, on my side or being on the really niche side, that, that, those are, those are thoughts that can really like hinder uh, a great collaboration or a great performance. Yeah. It's just, just like being, you know, just doubting mm-hmm. because you know too much or maybe you, you don't know enough. <laughs> Talk about some of the, the projects that you've done with Herman. Man, Herman, um, we've done with the with the group diverse. Uh, we've done a couple of recordings, mm-hmm. and those have been those have been great. But recently, um, I, I just recently uh, finished a record with Herman. I think it was uh, maybe two weeks ago. Mm. Time flies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, and um, that is his debut album. It's going to be yeah. It's under his name, Herman Mahari. I don't know like what the title track is or right. anything, but uh, he, man, he flew some amazing musicians in for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got Aaron Parks on piano, uh, Logan wow. Richardson on alto saxophone, yeah. Rick Rosado, bass, Peter Schlam, who actually lives here now, yeah. Peter Schlam, vibraphone, uh, and then, you know, myself and Herman, of right. course. And Herman plays trumpet, we should probably mention. Yeah, yeah. Herman Mahari <laughs> is is one of the most amazing trumpet players on planet earth. So guys, look him up. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's a, he's a great guy. And, and, um, I think just his con, his, just, he's a great musician. It's not just 
him playing trumpet. He just understands music. Yes. It's, 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 it's amazing. Yeah. It's super organic. I like the way that he approaches it. It's funny that it took, I was, I was surprised that it took him this long to make a record under his name. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, he's, he's in, including school. He's been in Kansas city for 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, and he's been so busy doing so many different projects, but, but he has, you know, it's not until now that he's actually made a record under his name. Yeah. Was that, on, just, was that on purpose that he waited that long or? I don't know. It was kind of out of the, man, to be honest, I think I got like a, maybe a two month notice on mm. this record, maybe less. He was like, mm. man, are you free this date? I, I mean, I, I got to do one. I have to do a record. You know, so <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know if that was like planned or anything. I maybe maybe that was felt and he just right. like, I have to get it done. Right. Um, Maybe that was a Bobby thing. Maybe he had drinks. <laughs> he had drinks with Bobby, and Bobby was yeah, like, yeah, it's, right. "It's time, man. Go do it." <laughs> you don't have a record, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so cool. Yeah, what, but I, that that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. When, when is that coming out? Um, I maybe he'll do like a. I mean, I, I wouldn't imagine him holding it till next spring, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe he'll do like a winter release. Mm-hmm. You know. That 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 could be cool. Yeah. We'll see, because yeah. um, everything's recorded. But oh, here's the thing about. I mean, we have a special guest on that album. Um, and here's the thing about Herman. Okay, so Aaron Parks, one of like by far one of my favorite pianists. Mm-hmm. Like, love the guy. I love love his the, his approach to music. He's a true musician. He it's beautiful. He is, he expresses beauty when he when he's playing, and um, it's. It's captivating. It's like wow. So I, I, you know, I'm. It was a pleasure for me to just like sit behind the drums and listen to that ear candy as I'm playing along to it. Like, (laughs) what am I doing? Okay, just just, this guy, (laughs) you know. But Herman also brings in um, this guy Kevin Johnson. Kevin, and he goes by Church Boy. That's his producer name, Mm -hmm. Kevin Church Boy Johnson. Uh, An amazing drummer, amazing producer. He can play the keyboards, bass, guitar. But Herman brings him in to sing. So we're wow. like, we, I'm like, he's a, he's just a Kansas city bred musician. Amazing. Nobody really knows about him outside of like, maybe like, like, like a, the producer circle or made some R and B stuff. Like, I mean, he plays drums with genuine. I don't know if you know that R and B artist, but mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's, he's killing Herman brings him in. And I'm, I'm just like witnessing this, this in the studio. I'm in the booth with Aaron Parks, Herman Mahari, and Kevin Churchboy Johnson trying to figure out this chord structure for a certain part of the song. And Kevin's just like, oh, yeah, I like that. You know, telling Aaron what he likes. And mm-hmm. Aaron's like, cool. You know, I'm just seeing them interact. And I'm like, who, who can bring something together like this? Yeah. Only Herman, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, what the heck? Yeah. This is really happening right now. Churchboy <laughs> and Aaron Parks? <laughs> this is wild. I yeah. can't wait for Herman to, you know do this one and and I'm sure it's going to get great recognition Mm -hmm. because I can't wait for him to, to enter the jazz world and start, uh, you know, start bringing all these types of types of collaborations together. Like just people who never meet each other, like Mm -hmm. never heard of each other. Yeah. Uh, Start working together in the studio and doing amazing things. I, I think that, I think, um, I'm going to try to uh, follow, you know, Herman's footsteps when it, when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that level of collaboration, yeah. And, but um, and then I need to take advantage of my own platform, you know. Yeah, my, yeah. Just just all the stuff, all the stuff that I experienced, you know. Just the the amount of uh, 
sorry, the just just the all amount the, of people all the circles, all yeah, the circles yeah, yeah. in which you have a footing and and good standing. Exactly. Yeah. One of the more high-profile things you've done recently is some touring with Jose James. Yes. How yeah. did that? How did that come about? <laughs> okay, Solomon Dorsey, amazing. Solomon. Basis. Solomon Dorsey. Yeah. Yeah. He called me at a time in my life when I was like, "Oh my God, I'm not ready for this." <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I even like said that on the phone. I was like, "Solomon, this is this is an amazing call. Like, the, you couldn't have picked a worse time to call me. Like, like just life is not." <laughs> it's just like not going well right now and I have a whole bunch of stuff and okay I want to do this but just you know I really want to do this but like yeah things are things are shifting so and did, like, like, did you feel you weren't ready musically or was something in, in another it, aspect of life it was definitely I mean definitely musically because I barely do this stuff that they that that was where when it comes to soul music I mean I play church music I play uh, jazz, I play like rock and all that kind of stuff. When it comes to like just soul music, mm-hmm. that's man, that that's deep. <laughs> it's super deep. And yeah. uh, you know, I I lack a lot of experience in that area, you know, to be yeah. honest. That's one of one of the areas where I'm a little intimidated. Mm. Um so I mean he he called me, I'm like, who's gonna say no? <laughs> right, right. And I I'm just like, okay. And I I just, that was literally at a time that I had so many deadlines with other projects and life stuff. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was, it was all over the place. And I'm like, why right now? (laughs) So he was like, Hey man, um, well, can you get me an audition tape in, um, tomorrow? And I was like, like, well, yeah. (laughs) So I had to like teach a jazz camp the whole morning, like 830 to to 4:30 and I was like listening to the music in my left ear oh. and like trying trying to trying to teach <laughs> trying to teach kids and everybody's like yo you're good man I was like yeah yeah I'm I'm fine I'm just <laughs> together along with having deadlines for a whole bunch of other stuff so I ended up getting the audition tape into him pretty late mm-hmm. like a day and a half behind he was like dude uh, I need that tape now <laughs> you know I was like yeah in 2 hours I'll have it to you I'll give I'll give it to you, and then, uh, yeah, you know, like a day goes by, <laughs> oh, man. And I was like, man, I just didn't have any time, so yeah. I finally got a tape recorded, and um, yeah, he called me back at like thirty minutes after I sent it, and he was like, hey, um, yeah, dude, <laughs> nice, real good, dude, yeah, you okay? Let let me call you back in just a little bit, and I was like, okay. <laughs> so he called me back. I guess Jose saw it and was like, yeah, it's cool. You got you got the you got the gig. So yeah. I went on a, on a tour with uh, Jose James. Great great experience. Like probably the worst musical time of my life. Just because really, <laughs> just because of like where I was at, like in my headspace and everything mm. that was, I I was not there, you mm-hmm. know. And it, and I I just uh, I was totally in my head. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And and I'm nor- normally like, like, not like that. Even if I'm like playing music where it's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm because it's new i just tend to not care and just think it it'll be worse if you if you really really you know put too much care into this why right. don't you do the best you can right but it sounds like you had you had trouble like trusting yourself or trusting your instincts yeah, yeah. and then just the time that i had to prep you know mm-hmm. this was less than a month out yeah and he called me and i was like 
you know, just with, with everything that was going on, I, I just, I just felt like I, I wasn't the guy for the job. And it's, it's really bad. I mean, it was a lesson learned. Um, and it, of course, like, I mean, that's not my thing anyway. So like, I wasn't like too bummed out. I, I wasn't too, I, I, like, I, I took it as a learning experience and not like my career is over because mm-hmm. I felt like I didn't do a good job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure like I sounded okay. Yeah. Most, but, uh, just like what you feel inside. You're like, Ugh. right. Right. <laughs> you know? But I, I took that. I I just I just took it took it as a learning experience. And Jose Jose James just gave me a lot of kind words because mm-hmm. I think he could tell that there was a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, through like a lot of the pressure, just, just Jose gave me some stuff that I could just take along in my life and and apply whenever I get in those situations. Because even him, like he he's had like those same experiences mm-hmm. and i i didn't know that you know i was just thinking i was the only one that goes through stuff like this and um yeah. never happens to anybody you know i'm a failure you know what i right, mean like right. these things done i have all these all this all this stuff going on it, it and uh what did and, he what did he offer up like what did you take with you um man he told me this story he was like super nervous to to uh sing at a it was some gig uh, and I think it was uh, it was something big, but Wynton Marsalis. It was like a part of like something with Wynton Marsalis, and um, you know he's I, I believe that was right. Yeah, Wynton Marsalis, and he was getting jittery or whatever. And he was like, and Wynton Wynton comes up to him and just says like, "Hey man, is everything okay?" And he was like, you know, just a little nervous. He was like, you know, it's just a gig, right? <laughs> so, Jose said that to me, and I was like, you know, how many gigs have I played? I've been playing since I was 17, you know, mm-hmm. like just kind of getting out there. And I'm like, it's just a gig. Yeah. Like when he said that, that kind of like calmed me down just a little bit because I felt like I needed to. Um, I, I, I felt like I needed to give way more than I had, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, because like the, re- the record I was listening to, I mean, it's Chris Dave was on the drums. Right. <laughs> And then like the the Billy Holiday record, Eric Harlan's on drums. And I was like, oh my goodness! And then Richard Spaven is on drums, like a great London drummer, mm. on on another on another record. And I'm just like, and these, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even like these dudes' second call, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> You're like, too hard I, on yourself. Yeah, yeah. I was like, like, was it was it that you 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 felt you didn't. Um, like that you lacked the the skill set or the experience or that it was just a, a a a different bag that you didn't have in you it's both of those things hmm. I felt like I lacked the skill set and experience and it was a it was a different bag and um I felt like I was like why me out of maybe all the drummers that you can pick in New York or LA mm-hmm. and I who may have at least a little bit of experience doing this. Mm-hmm. We go to the jam session, like the Arlene's grocery vibe. I don't know if you've ever heard of the lesson at Arlene's grocery, but uh, no. it's, it's just the hip hop jam session, you know, and soul jam session Thursday nights in, in New York. You right, know what I mean? Right. That music is, de- is evolving and being developed right now in that yeah, city, yeah. you know, and I don't see that on a regular basis. You know, I go there any chance I get, and I and I, I just see it's like they're they're shaping music right now, mm-hmm. and when when it comes out on somebody's record, you, you you're gonna hear that sound that right. machine being developed right, right. now. Right that but, that room that room is where it's happening, and I'm not in that room. Yeah, yeah. I'm in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, I was like, there's like maybe some 19 year old drummer that maybe uh, <laughs> right. 
like, but, but that, that then again, like I was like, I'm being way too hard on myself because I actually am good at other things, you know, mm-hmm. and not, not, not everybody, um, not everybody uh, can, can just like slay at it all. You know, right. I, mean, I, I used to think that people could, and then, I mean, I, I'm like, wow, we're all human. We yeah. all have a thing. Yep. All of us. Mm-hmm. Dave Weckle. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Weckle slays at Dave Weckle. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Vinny Calliud. All those guys have their thing. And mm-hmm. uh, the top I mean, those guys, those are like drum gods to me, you know? Right. But uh, I just recognize that and everybody's playing, including theirs. And it just, it, it cools me out. And it lets me know that I can just be me. Yeah. Uh, just try my best and mm-hmm. get through the gigs. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was an interesting time. Man, that, that tour... That tour taught me a lot about myself. I needed that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, I, I thank Solomon Dorsey so much for that opportunity. Yeah. And I know like, yeah, he was, he was definitely getting on me the whole time. Like he wanted, he wanted me to be better. And I don't think it was, it was a thing just, I don't think it was just about the music that was being played on that tour. I think he wanted to show me some stuff about life. You right. Know? Right. He could see the headspace you were in, like regardless of whatever music you were playing. Yeah. He could tell what you were going through. Yeah. And and he he's the type of person that's he's not he's not so much like Jose where he he'll give you the he'll give you the thing in the moment that will okay lighten it up for you so you can get through that gig. Mm-hmm. He's more the person like I don't care about this. I'm talking about the next five years of your life. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I'm talking about the next ten years of your life. Yeah. I think he was kicking my butt in that way. Yeah. And 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 he I don't know if he knows or not, but I I took it all in. Mm-hmm. You know. I, I think about all that stuff and I, you know, and I'm, and I see, I see where it's working out. Yeah. You know, I see mm-hmm. where it's working out in my life and, and in my musical, musical career. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's, it's, uh, you know, at the time I was like, man, I, I just, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, but he, he, he's, that definitely wasn't the case. As much as I love Kansas city, and as much as I loved my time there, uh, one of the reasons I left was because at the time I felt like there was there was only so high a person could go in mm-hmm. Kansas City. I felt like it was really landlocked and that the scene was sort of self-contained and that it was hard for musicians to sort of export their art or themselves to other parts of the country or other parts of the world. Um, so that was one of the reasons I went to LA is cause I felt you had to go to a city like that to get opportunities like that. Yeah. Um, since I left you and Herman and a bunch of other Kansas city musicians have proven me dead wrong, <laughs> uh, because you guys literally get all over the world. Um, <laughs> and you mentioned LA and New York and, and like what, what has prevented you from, from pursuing those cities and, um, what advice do you have for musicians who are in second and third tier cities like Kansas City about about how to, you know, bring themselves to to the world and bring the world to their city? Okay, I'll try to make this quick because it's a that was a lot, but I know for, first <laughs> <laughs> the first thing um, about the the cap. I'll just get right into it. Mm-hmm. The, the cap that a city can hold on you. Um, it's not really about the musicians. That's a venue thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to express yourself the the venue has to allow you to do that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's all I'll say there. Um, uh, another thing is like, um, I think that 
on the musician part, the sensibilities go way past just the music. Mm-hmm. It goes in like um, your your merch, your product, your accessibility online, your you know, yeah. so many different things. So if you're living in a city where you're not required to do any of that to sustain yourself in the then, city, yeah, then that's that's that. So that's right. why in Kansas City, I mean, some musicians definitely have to jump and because uh, meaning move, right? They definitely have to go because the city doesn't really require them or even make them aware of all these other things that, that are really important to you say, elevate their career. Mm-hmm. So that, um, that can change. And I, I think, you know, the city will do it. It's just a slow process and, uh, you can't really wait. You can't waste your years waiting on that to happen. You know what I mean? So I yeah. think like any moves that people make is fine. And some people, just know the right people who can connect them with, with a situation and to give them an opportunity. Right, <laughs> and, right. and it's great. So that's, you know, it, I feel like Herman and I, like we've just been a part of like, uh, like that one in a million, <laughs> you know what I mean? That, mm-hmm. that can, that just got pr- super lucky, you know? Well, I don't, I mean, and, uh, there's, there's luck involved for sure, but, but there's also, uh, ambition and persistence, Mm-hmm. That, that I feel um, like I didn't have when I was in Kansas City, which was probably one of the reasons I felt landlocked and like there was a ceiling above me. Um, yeah. But but you guys, uh, it, it reminds me kind of of how, uh, you know, Louis C.K. has basically created his own channel and his own production studio on his website. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't need anybody else's money to make a series or put out a stand-up special. Like he does it himself. He sells it on his website. Yeah. And, and he just looked at it and said, I don't, I don't need the established stuff to do what I want to do. And it seems like yeah. you and Herman and others have looked around Kansas city and said, you know, yeah, the world might not come here, but it, it doesn't mean that we're stuck here. We can, we can stay here and still <clears throat> experience the rest of the world and bring our music to Asia or Europe or, or whatever, but you're saying yeah, it yeah. takes a sustained kind of multi-pronged effort having to do with social media and yeah, 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 definitely. And I, um, to be honest, it, and you're right. It's a headspace thing. And, um, you know, I think Herman's really persistent, like, you know, as far as like connecting situ- different great playing situations mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'd say this, I don't think that I, I, I ever would have been in the right headspace if it wasn't for Herman mm. uh, and us taking a trip to Europe as a group. We did a Kickstarter fund me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, took a trip to Europe, spent 30 days there wow. uh, um, exploring the city. We did a couple of playing things and um, it was, it w- it was great. But I remember before going on that trip, I was kind of like, well, you know, but I need to make good grades in school and I need to do this. I need to make sure that I, you know, this gig is secure and do, you know, before I left, I was, my brain was locked here. You know what I mean? Right. After I came back from that trip, I was like, wait a minute, you know, I, it it opened a lot of doors in my mind. So you're right. Um, If you don't leave in some form, I think, even if it's just for a month Mm -hmm. or if it's, it's, you know, a couple of weeks somewhere. And then you will get in this, just like this routine and Mm -hmm. and it holds you down. And the way it works is, uh, it, you're, like I said before, I mean, it's just like we, the way it works is we play these gigs 
you know, they kind of want it to be a certain vibe maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you're going to get your money and you're going to live as a musician <laughs> in that and then happily ever after. <laughs> you know, right, <laughs> so right. it's like, which is not a bad life. Yeah. It's not bad, <laughs> but, um, I mean, there's nothing to show for there. And I, I'm really, uh, I used to, I used, I, I, I just, I'm just really, um, curious and, and, and trying to, I'm curious to know what's going on in people's heads as an artist here. I'm like, do you want to go about your whole life with, you know, no art to leave behind for somebody else or no, you know, no, no place where you develop that kind of sound and that skill. Do you, or do you want to switch it up? Do you want to change it? And I think the way to do that is like, um, you kind of have to step back, step out of your routine and people are like, oh man, where's this guy been? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's, what's going on? Like, I can't really, I can't really call on him for all these things anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's when you're in your point of development. And if you've never done that, you know what I mean? If you never sacrificed that time or that money sometimes, you know, yeah. I, I think that's where, where you're supporting Kansas City, Kansas City being in that routine. It's going to take a lot more musicians like saying no. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they have a standard. Like they, they don't play on, uh, they don't play for, for the man. You know, they're not, just like, they're not like, okay, yeah, I'll put on a certain outfit for you just because you want it. And I'll play this certain music just for you, just because you want it. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that works for a second that yeah. gets you in the door, but then you're an artist and you have to, you have to grow. You won't grow. Mm-hmm. You'll just be the same. Right. For decades. <laughs> can, you, can you can you have it both ways or do you do you feel like you have to choose? Can you can you do those gigs where you got to wear the suit and, and play whatever and, you know, still devote time and attention to, to mm-hmm. what you really want to pursue? You can. You can just uh, do it in moderation. Mm. I do every once in a while. Yeah. Like I still, you know, I still have to make sure that there's consistent money rolling in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to live. And, but. I, I don't, um, I, it's, it's very, I don't, I don't do them a lot. Right. You know, I, I just do it enough to where I know, okay, there's like a little bit of cash coming in. I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of connected with the, my, my fellow musicians around town, right. you know, and be, be respectful it, of those gigs and those employers and those yeah, musicians. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Cause, you know. Cause I, I, I get that. I mean, we, I need, we all need that. Yeah. Like, um, but I just don't want the I just don't want the city to lose uh, lose what they have to say like that mm-hmm. art and uh, just one way one way of not not supporting that is to not do it so much mm-hmm. you know and it's the time that you spend not doing that put one hundred ten percent effort into making yourself accessible online uh, or networking with other musicians you may be going traveling and you never know the cause yeah. it would just really really shock you like i just got you know i just came back from china mm-hmm. playing with this young kid named abu <laughs> and it, he he's amazing i played i i recorded with him tom kennedy on bass wow like, <laughs> and uh, uh antonio on alto saxophone and so many other special guests like uh, ama- other amazing horn players and singers and it's amazing like so i've been in the studio with tom kennedy which is crazy because he plays with Dave Weckl. So yeah. <laughs> I like, are you saying that like you, you feel you had to like actively reject some of what Kansas city had to offer in, in order to open up that opportunity? 
if there's an opportunity to go somewhere where you're going to learn what it takes to be an artist or learn how other people um, put shows together and contribute to society with art, with music, mm-hmm. there's an opportunity to do that. Take it. Mm-hmm. Sacrifice that. Don't worry about the money. You can catch back up. Um, and right there, that's going to be what opens your brain to, to seeing other opportunities that can come your way that are just going to elevate your career. Well, that's a good spot to end it, man. Uh, thanks, thanks so much so for time. talking and best of luck to you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Take care. You Bye-bye. too. Great stuff there from Ryan. He's such a focused and perceptive guy. Uh, it was a great lesson for me to hear how the limitations you put on your city or the boundaries you put on your fellow musicians might not actually exist. They might just be made up and uh, great things can happen if you operate as if they aren't there. Uh, it was also great to talk about uh, Bobby Watson. He's obviously someone we both hold in very high regard and you should check out his music. It's, it's really some of my favorite jazz out there. Thanks as always to Mike Jackson for his technical assistance and thanks as always to all you working drummers out there for your support. Matthew Krause is back at you next week. Until then, happy gigging and take care.